Welcome to the Soul Grit Podcast. I'm Ann Taylor McNeese, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I also love Jesus, and I'm passionate about all things gospel and therapy. I created Soul Grit to be at the intersection of mental health and Christian faith. Christ followers need a place to ask questions and get answers about mental health. Join me as we dive into real stories and real questions from people who want to honor God with their hearts, souls, and minds. Hi, welcome back to the Soul Grit Podcast. This is Anne, and I'm here today with Jeremy Williamson. Hi, Jeremy. And it's so good to be here. Thanks for the yeah. invitation. I'm excited about this. Um, you actually approached me because you have a interesting um, story to share. I I think the word story is in my mind because the company or organization that you work with is called Restory, correct? Mm-hmm. That's right. And so we're going to learn a little bit about story. Now, this morning when I was driving my kids to school, my 13-year-old, who is an avid reader, writer, and illustrator said, well, who's this guy that you're having on your podcast? And I said, well, he does work with story. And she's like, what's that about? And I said, well, and there's a concept of uh, like seeing your life as a story and being able to shape the different um, parts of your life. And then I got stuck and I was like, you know what, I'll tell you about it later because he's going to tell me on the podcast. So first of all, tell us about this work that you do with story. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. So story, we call it story work. And the idea is that you and I are uh, a story. Our life is a story. Our life exists in the context of a bigger story that we're a part of. And, and our life is sort of this collection of a bunch of little tiny stories and, Mm -hmm. and episodes that have all been sort of woven together uh, for us to have become the people that we are today. And so when we think about the parts of our lives that aren't working well, the places where we feel stuck or we feel like we have hangups or addictions or habits on one of behaviors, we take this approach of saying, well, we, we understand that we arrived here where we are today because of where we've been and the way that we feel about our lives, the things that we believe about ourselves, are those things are true because they became true somewhere along this journey that we have that we have lived in. And so one way of thinking about story work is to, is to think, in, and Dan Allender in some of his work uses this concept of, like, I'm going to go on a walk with you into the deep forest of your soul. Mm-hmm. And as I'm sitting with people doing this work, um, to continue with Dan's uh, allegories, like, we'll start off with, like, just walking on a paved road, somewhere easy. Yeah. And we may eventually find ourselves off a trail, just wandering into the wilderness of someone's soul and their story mm-hmm. and understanding what happened there and what did they come to believe about their world and themselves as a result of, of their interpretation of what happened. Mm-hmm. And, and then how have they grown and developed habits and beliefs and behaviors um, as a result of all of that? So in the clinical world, I think we may be talking about something along the lines of like narrative focused therapy. Yeah, I was going to mention it sounds a little bit like narrative therapy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're talking about integration. So we're saying in story work, we're saying hey, you we exist a lot like the rings of a tree. 
there's this you can't see it but there's this massive old ancient oak tree that's right outside my window here and if we were to be able to see the rings of that tree we would see every year that that tree has ever existed and somebody who's really good at that work could take a look at each of those rings and understand man maybe this year there was a drought or in in this particular year there was a fire or there was insect damage or something Mm -hmm. happened but all of those rings still exist inside that tree yeah. So that tree still has its one-year-old self and its two-year-old self and its three-year-old self all there. And whatever was true in that season of its life has affected its growth from that point until today. Yeah. And so we're almost like in story work, we're almost like these forensic, um, like uh, what's the word, detectives of going back and kicking over rocks and understanding story so that we can understand today um, so that the work of like integration and wholeness can happen in people's lives as they see themselves in their stories, hopefully in a, in a restored, redeemed way. Mm-hmm. And you told me that it's um, licensed therapists, it's spiritual directors, it's story work counselors, coaches, like it's a whole team of people working with this framework, right? Yeah, that's right. We have a whole eclectic, really varied a team that I love so much. I mean, we've got everything from like the really kind of nerdy therapists who like, hey, hey, hey. Just, <laughs> oh, is that you? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and I don't mean to say that all therapists are nerdy by any means, but but we've got like the really um, thoughtful and careful uh, therapists. We've got like the hippies. Uh, we've got people who are really deep into spiritual direction We've got story work coaches. We've got former ministry people. We've got people who work really well um, with people going through like faith deconstruction or doubt or wrestling with those kinds of things as well. So really varied team with different Mm -hmm. disciplines and different practices for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so I know one of the things that you bring to this team is your background in ministry and your your former experience as a pastor. So um, tell us a little bit about how that that life experience that you have um, shapes how you work with people now. Yeah. I, I knew really early on that I was supposed to be in some kind of vocational ministry. I didn't know what that was, was though. I, what I was feeling in my heart, I didn't hear a category for in Mm -hmm. kind of the structure of the church that I grew up in. So I tried everything. I, I was a missionary for a while. I've lived in, in Latin America and in Africa and I've gotten to, to be a part of uh, work that's happening all over the world. I've been a kids pastor and a youth pastor and a senior pastor and a church planter and all the things. And all along the way, I was really aware of how difficult all of that was for me mm-hmm. and how I found myself struggling and wrestling. Um, and I always felt privileged uh, in a weird sense to have survived and made it through a lot of difficult horrible situations in ministry and and that's not this sounds depressing ministry is awesome and the the men and the women who are working in churches and leading ministries are so incredible um and i came to realize at some point how much care we all need for our own souls yeah uh, in that in that deep calling so i feel really glad to have had a pretty broad spectrum of experiences within the world that we just kind of label ministry yeah um 
and also feel really, really passionate about ministering to those who minister and caring for those yeah. who care. Yeah. I think you and I probably share that concern that people mm-hmm. who are caring for the flock, as we say, mm-hmm. they need their their own care because when they're not getting the, those emotional, mental, physical, psychological needs met, mm-hmm. that's when damage tends to happen to those mm-hmm. that they're shepherding. And so yeah. um, that I, I've seen that in my own life. In fact, the very first counselor that I ever went to was a pastor who ran a retreat center for pastors and their wives that were needing wow. this kind of care. And so this is all this has been on my radar since I was 18 years old mm-hmm. that somebody needs to be doing this work. And so I'm mm-hmm. glad to hear that there's more than just this one guy doing that work. But oh yeah. But sure. uh I I've seen personally in my own life when pastors are not getting the care that they need or not maybe even not being allowed the time that they need to be able to do that self-reflection and that digging in the dirt, as you're saying. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um tell us a little bit about how how you might work with a pastor or a pastoral couple. Mm-hmm. You know, the way the way that ministry happens in a lot of contexts today is is a kind of a setup mm-hmm. for 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 a pastor to find himself isolated and lonely yep. and burned out and that's not a dig on the church at all i love the church mm-hmm. but what what many experiences the same thing that i experienced and that hey here's a here's a guy who's talented and he's uh his heart's beating and he's willing to do ministry and he can speak. So let's just put him up there right? and let him start going. And many people, when they think about a pastor or a ministry leader, they're thinking about what can be accomplished in the kingdom or what can happen in the church as a result of this person's input. Right. Right. So, Hey, we have a pastor and he's a really good speaker or he's a dynamic leader or he's a visionary. So we're going to, in a sense, consume him. Mm-hmm. or allow him to be consumed or to offer his life out and just pour out, pour out, pour out. And very rarely is there a posture from uh, elders or church board or the church body. Very rarely is there a posture where they say, hey, this is a, a leader that we want to do life with and mm-hmm. we want to give him or her space to to be human and to need and to wrestle and to be in all of that wrestling with us. Instead, what generally happens is we say, hey, here's a superhero. We're going to consume him till he burns out. We figure in like, if he's a youth pastor in about six months, he's going to be gone. If he's a senior pastor, maybe a couple of years, and then we'll consume the next guy to try to build this organization of this church. So to come back to answer your question, I find a lot of pastors and ministry leaders having bought into that narrative because it also works for us. Because mm-hmm. it's a place that we feel welcome and seen and delighted in. And that don't we all want that? Mm-hmm. For me to I was I was probably 15. Mm-hmm. I was 15 the first time I preached a sermon in a church. Mm-hmm. I was probably 14 the first time my pastor randomly from the stage, this is in front of hundreds of people, it was a big church, said, Hey Jeremy, I want you to come up here and just share what's on your heart. Like randomly out of the blue. And I was here for it. I loved the opportunity, but that worked so well for me because I, my ache in my soul and my story was that I was uh, felt unseen Mm -hmm. and 
abandoned and unchosen. So for me to be in a ministry situation where I'm doing good work, Mm -hmm. but also I feel valuable and chosen. And that happens because I lay my life down and burn the candle at both ends and do all these things. So eventually that narrative falls apart. Eventually it doesn't work because it's not the way we were intended to live. So I meet a lot of pastors and ministry leaders who uh, are coming to grips with the fact that the way that they've seen themselves and their role in the kingdom is actually based on a narrative that's not true. To me, I think it is, when we think about offering care for people who are in ministry, it's not just about fatigue. Mm. And it's, I although I do sabbatical coaching and love sabbatical coaching, even that, is not, it's not about fatigue. It's about where you've been and why you said yes to ministry 10 years ago Mm -hmm. and what that's cost you. Yeah. And maybe what false personas that has invited out of you to Mm -hmm. to sort of be who people need you to be instead of being who God actually made you to be. So I find us going all the way back to the little boy or the little girl who fell in love with Jesus Mm-hmm. And the man or the woman who said yes to ministry and and recentering ourselves back in those those places. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, I'm really glad that you're doing that work. I just like as you're talking, I'm like thinking of people like, oh, I wish this person would talk to Jeremy or you know, like like um even in my own practice, uh, sometimes I have um a person who's struggling with some of the issues that you're talking about. And it may not be my, my specialty. Like I do work with a lot of people in ministry because I have a lot of ministry experience myself, mm-hmm. but I I just like the, the nuance that you're bringing to this of like understanding um, that your, your best work in the kingdom of God comes out of being exactly who God made you to be not what everybody else needed you to be in that moment Mm -hmm. yeah that's well said it's until we are at rest with our identity as a son Mm -hmm. and a daughter a a son in whom god is delighted a daughter that god delights in. until we're at rest in that ministry can flow of course it can but it will cost us too much and and I think it will be less than what God intended for it to be. But yeah, may we find ourselves as sons and daughters before we find ourselves as pastors and leaders and yes. preachers and teachers yes. and all that. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I just logistically, though, you're in Northern Colorado. I'm in Southern California. I know as a licensed therapist, I can only see people in my state. But as a story work coach, you can probably see anybody from anywhere, right? Yeah, that's accurate. <clears throat> and I, I have the privilege of of getting to meet people all around the United States, all around the world. Um, and that is that is one of the benefits. The states have been really generous in opening up the possibility for coaching work to happen over state lines. Yeah. And so it means that there's some really important boundaries around the work that I do. Yes. Um, but it also means that people who as I've heard you say in, in some of your episodes, people who don't need a diagnosis and they don't need therapeutic care, mm-hmm. they just need maybe a wise guide. Mm-hmm. Um, they need some some coaching, someone to walk with them in this season of their life. I get to offer that and I'm so glad to be able to do that. Yeah, 
That's good. So I always want to bring that up because I think people will hear what we're talking about and think that it would be good for me or someone I know. And then, but how do I access that? So for mm-hmm. those listening, I'm going to be having all the links and everything in the show notes. And if you go on the website, you'll see Jeremy's profile, but also this whole team that we've been talking about that's able to offer some different nuances within the services. But if you've listened to the Solbrit podcast for even one episode, you know, my guests and I believe that when we integrate the power of God with the wisdom of modern psychology, we get supercharged healing, change and growth in counseling. As a Christian therapist, however, I realize that there are many practitioners out there who are personally Christians but don't know how to integrate their faith into their counseling practices. That's why I created the e-course, Faith Integration for Therapists. In this premium five-module course, therapists who love Jesus will learn everything from understanding their calling to marketing their practices to Christians to adapting evidence-based interventions to honor our faith. You can learn more about the online course at www.soulgritresources.com courses and send an email to info at soulgritresources.com to receive a discount code. I'm shifting gears just a little bit, Jeremy. I know that you have a new course that you are trying to get the word out about. So I'd like you to talk a little bit about that for a minute. Uh, thanks. So in the, along the lines of people that we sort of thrust into ministry, which by the way, I don't necessarily have a problem with being just sort of like from one day to the next. If you read the New Testament, the book right. of Acts, <laughs> it, all through the gospels and the book of Acts, people were fishermen one day and preachers yeah. the next day. You're an apostle now. <laughs> exactly. Like, welcome. <laughs> um, and that's, that's great. And they had Jesus with them as an example and uh they had his access to his wisdom and his care and uh, everything that he brought whereas today i think a lot of pastors find themselves not only lacking access to care for their own souls but lacking access to maybe some information that would help them offer deep care to people who are in need Mm -hmm. so there's a i think there's a pew research study that was done pretty recently that said that over 20 percent of people who who have like a significant issue and will eventually seek care from a professional psychologist or therapist, they talk to their pastor first. Right. Or they talk to their small group leader first or the youth pastor or someone from their church. And having been in that role, mm-hmm. I have to tell a quick story here actually. So when I was okay. young in ministry, I did my rotations in uh, as doing like, I was the pastor of the day. And I was like 20, 20 something. And I was on staff at this church in deep South Texas, right on the border of Mexico. Okay. So I knew that a guy or I, somebody, the, the receptionist came back to my office and said, Hey, Jeremy, somebody needs to talk to a pastor. It was my day. So I was so nervous. Um, this guy <laughs> comes back and we're chatting and, uh, and he actually just spoke Spanish. I was, that's another reason why he ended up with me because I'm bilingual. And so we're sitting there talking in it. Turns out he's saying, I'm coming up from Mexico and I have to drive all the way to Wisconsin today. And I just need you to pray for protection over me. And I, I was kind of curious and thankfully had at least the wherewithal to be <laughs> ask a question. And I was like, well, what, like, what's, you seem really nervous for like a road trip. What, what's going on? Is there something else that's happening? And he, he says, he stops and he asks like, how confidential is this? 
Mm. And I said, well, it's really confidential. You can share whatever you need to share. Um, and he said, well, my van outside is is loaded down with cocaine. And oh my gosh. Driving it up to Wisconsin today. I'm a, I'm a drug mule. And I was oh like, my gosh. okay, I don't know what to they say. They didn't teach right me now. this in seminary. They didn't teach me in seminary. <laughs> and I know that's a really extreme example. Um, but how often do we have people who were in ministry and people come and say, I think I'm going to leave my wife. Mm-hmm. I think I'm gay. I think mm-hmm. I, I'm wrestling with this deep issue with my sexuality or with my heart, or I feel depressed or I feel anxious or I feel whatever. And we just like our training teaches us to fix that person Mm -hmm. or to just pray for them or to find like Bible verses from our Bible verse Rolodex Mm -hmm. and just try to offer something. When in reality, what we see over and over again in scripture is Emmanuel. We see God with us, God who offers his presence God who offers strength and tenderness with us um, and is not afraid to sit in the dirt with us in in our worst moments. And so my colleague, Chris, who is a licensed professional counselor, he he and I developed this course for ministry caregivers, anyone who takes care of anybody in ministry who just needs some some maybe structure and some understanding. How do I sit with people in my small group at church? What do I do when somebody comes to me with a big need that I don't know the answer to? Mm-hmm. And this course is kind of all about like, you don't actually need an answer. Yeah. Uh, so here's some best practices. Here's some rules about mandated reporting when that becomes important as a minister. Here's, you know, when it becomes important to refer out to a professional and how to develop those relationships. But even a, maybe the overarching theme is here's how to just take a deep breath and sit in the dirt with people mm-hmm. wherever they are and just relax, like just be and be yeah. offer kind presence. So that's what the course is all about. And we're so excited about it because yeah. um, hopefully people won't have to struggle like I did in for years and years in ministry, <laughs> not knowing what to do when people come with big needs. And so you prayed for them and sent the cocaine on its way, huh? Okay. So there were two <laughs> things. There were two things. He said he, and I, I, I got to do a lot of work in Northern Mexico in my youth. So I understood the cultural like yeah. nuance behind this, but he asked that I would pray for the protection of La Santa Muerte, which is the mm-hmm. saint of death, mm-hmm. um, which in Northern Mexico drug cartels is kind of a patron saint. And so I did take some time to explain why that wouldn't be appropriate. And that actually he can trust Jesus. Yeah. That in spite of the fact that he was running drugs, like he was still um, God's son and still mm-hmm. loved. And so I, I told him that um, I couldn't pray that the border patrol wouldn't find him, but I was happy to pray that that he would have an encounter with God along the way. So okay. that's where we left it. <laughs> Good job. Okay. I just wanted to hear the ending of that story. But <laughs> so the course, though, is called Sitting in the Dirt, right? That's right. Okay. And you can find it on the Restory website, correct? Mm-hmm. Or does it have its yeah. own website? I know you can find it on the website. If you go to the main menu, you'll see there's online courses is there and it's called the soul care course. So soul care is sitting in the dirt. Uh, You'll find it right there. Okay, perfect. So that link will be in the show notes. Mm -hmm. And I really like, I, I don't know if I mentioned this to you before, but like my husband and I are small group leaders and we have done that ministry of small group since before we were even married, since before grad school, like in college, we're the kind of people that are having people in our dorm room meeting for discipleship. And so this has been a huge part of our life. 
mean, we've seen several different churches and the way that they train their small group leaders. And I love what you're doing. And I want to bring this to all, all the churches because that, that what you said about the scripture verse Rolodex, like here, like you're going through something. Let me look up topically what verse is about this. Oh, this, here's a verse on anger. Let me give you the verse that should fix you. Go have a good night. You know, right. <laughs> that's not it doesn't a work. It doesn't work. And it's yeah. supposed to work because we, we hear things like, yeah, the word of God is sharper than a double-edged sword or it doesn't return void. And we don't actually see Jesus ministering like that. Jesus didn't just sprinkle Bible verses. He offered his presence. And, um, and I think, well, you know what the law says. So, you know, he didn't have that approach. No, no, he never did. Yeah. Well, and it's uncomfortable to sit with someone like, uh, when, when somebody dies, for example, like it's, there's nothing that you can say in the moment that makes it better, but the ministry of presence and being able to sit even in silence or, you know, like, like that's just as hard It's awkward. It doesn't feel good. It's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And yet people don't want to be alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, we really believe that tragedy becomes trauma because of a lack of kind presence. Yeah. So in the absence of the presence of God, in the absence of the presence of strength and tenderness, tragedy becomes trauma. And so even the death of a person, you're sitting with people and maybe you're not saying much, but you're offering your kindness and your presence to someone who is gutted, they're devastated. Mm-hmm. Could it be that the nature of even the way that that memory, that that event is going to lay down in their brain, the way that it's going to affect their behavior for the rest of their lives yeah. is being impacted by your simple presence in the room, yeah. by the kindness that you bring that it's actually enough. Yeah. That's hard stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I my daughter uh, a couple of weeks ago dislocated her foot playing volleyball. Oh. It was pretty gruesome. It was gross, and uh, <laughs> poor girl. And so we were in the hospital, and her youth pastor came to visit, and I had so much compassion on him because I, when I was a youth pastor, I hated doing hospital visits. I was so bad at them. Mm-hmm. He did a phenomenal job though, and I. I congratulated him and I was like, Hey, how awkward was that for you to just sit with us and not really know what to say? And he said the same thing. He's like, I hate it. He goes, I can't, I never know. Like if I'm going to overstep my bounds and say something I shouldn't say, or if I'm not saying enough, but I was just glad he showed up. Yeah. That's all we needed. Yeah. And even if it's not like a gruesome situation like that, but it's like the sports, you know, showing up for your, somebody's kids game you know like yes somebody's new business opens and you show up like just just showing up is a big part of it right Mm -hmm. absolutely it is yeah and that's what i love at the end of the day is that jesus said when two or more of you are gathered in my name like Mm -hmm. i'm gonna be there in the midst of you Mm -hmm. and in my practice i believe that it is the presence and the truth of god that actually transforms us brings us back to being the sons and daughters that we were meant to be. Yeah. And and so we know even when you're showing up at the football game, when you do that as an offering of like your presence and you're there because you're attuned and you care, mm-hmm. um, presence of God is there with you as well, which is what we're yeah. all actually hungry for. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that aligns with like my philosophy for counseling. Like every new counseling client that comes in, like I go through my informed consent and I tell them a little bit about me and my policies, procedures. And one of the things that I say to them is that it is my belief or my philosophy of counseling that growth and change happens in the context of relationship. And Mm -hmm. so that is what makes me motivated to be a very relational therapist. So not stuffy. I'm not wearing arm like elbow patches on my tweed jacket or (laughs) going to have like uh, my computer open typing while you're talking or Mm -hmm. even a a clipboard. I'm not, I'm going to be making eye contact with you. I'm going to be present with you in my person because that's where I think the change starts to happen when you have that presence. So thank you for that reminder that also when that happens, that God is there with us too. Yeah. That's where the, that's where the beauty happens. And you know that better than I do. I, even the best um, therapies are designed to help us reconnect. Yeah. To help us like Mm -hmm. be able to bring ourselves into a room and to be seen and to see and, that's, I love that. I love how you said that. Mm-hmm. I'm not offended because I don't have any <clears throat> elbow patches on any tweet jacket. <laughs> You've got the nice Northern Colorado uh, plaid flannel going on today. There we go. Yeah. Nobody's seeing us. We're not posting this, but nobody's seen that. But yeah. Hey, before we end the episode by asking Jeremy what he's doing for soul care, I want to let you know that Jeremy is offering us a 10% discount for soul grit listeners. If you want to buy the course sitting in the dirt. So make sure you go to the Restory website. When you check out, type in Soul Grit, S-O-U-L-G-R-I-T, all one word, and you'll get 10% off. Send me an email if you end up purchasing the course. I'd love to hear how it's helping you serve those in your community. Now back to our episode. Okay, so um, Jeremy, I'd like to ask you the question I ask all my guests, which is what are you doing for soul care? Mm -hmm. You know, soul care for me is so important these days, every day. Mm-hmm. These days, I find myself stretched pretty thin. And that is between, I've got three kids and they're all athletes mm-hmm. and and working for two different organizations under the same umbrella. But uh, it, I find that for me to not buy into the narrative that my life exists to be stretched and poured out and consumed by people who want it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that my life is a gift to God. And it's something that I own for me to be able to recenter in that are two things. I think you can, you can see that your listeners can't see, but I've got yeah. this chair behind me Yeah, and this, this is really big, comfortable, <laughs> comfortable leather chair. It's like an old man chair. Um, I sit in my old man chair and I I'm in the word and I sit silently in the presence of God. Uh, and I don't start a day without doing that. Um, generally, I don't want to lie on your podcast. Of course, I don't start every day without doing that, but I try not to start a day without doing that. Yeah. Um, the time of corporate worship for me on Sunday mornings is really, mm. really important. And I feel it when I'm not there. Yeah, There's something about being in a space where I'm not the leader mm-hmm. um, and I am just a part of a, of a body that's bigger than me. Uh, yeah. I think that's really important. And then I try to move my body. Mm-hmm. Um after almost every session, I'll stretch and I'll, I'll generally pray like kind of a cleansing prayer and just center myself and stretch, move my body, um, to just to make sure that it continues to be well with me as I'm sitting with other people. 
That's great. Thank you for giving us those reminders. Oh, for sure. No, I appreciate the question. We all need to be reminded. We all need to be reminded. And, you know, every time I ask somebody, like, there's there's some themes, you know, like, if you're a committed Christian, like, you're going to have something about being in your Bible in there, you know, sure. but... But it's interesting to hear you say like the corporate worship and being in in a body with where you're not the leader is mm-hmm. important to your soul. So I don't think I've had a guest say that before. So thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, everybody, we're going to have all those links. As I mentioned, it'll be in the show notes and you can find out about the Sitting in the Dirt Soul Care course and how you can be able to sit with people when they're going through hard times, whether you're a ministry leader, small group leader, or just a family member, you know, like anybody can use that. And then, um, yeah, if you'd like to get some coaching around story work or some counseling in this um, particular area, we'll have the link for that as well. So Jeremy, thank you so much for being here. Uh, It's such an honor and thanks for having me. The Soul Grit Podcast is a production of Soul Grit Resources. You can find more at soulgritresources.com or on the socials at Soul Grit Resources. You can email me at info at soulgritresources.com.